Hi, welcome to Destiny Church's weekly podcast. We're a church located in Columbia, Maryland, right between D.C. and Baltimore. And we're so glad that you decided to listen to our podcast. If you're looking for a message of hope, purpose, and destiny, then you're tuned into the right place. If you have any testimonies of what God has done in your life as a result of listening to this podcast, please email us at stories at yourdestiny.church. We love to hear how God is impacting people's lives through what he's doing at our church. Now, prepare your heart and mind to hear from God as we jump into this week's message. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 5. As you turn, can you welcome everybody that's watching online? We're grateful. We're thankful for so many of you, people literally all over the world, all over the country. It's weird when you're in a completely different country and people are telling you what you preached in the series back in July. We're like, man, we've kept up with every single message, every single series. Destiny Church, I'm telling you what God is doing in this house through us is special. The world is watching and lives are being transformed. I'm excited. Next week is our impact offering. It is going to be great. If you're new to Destiny Church, once a year we take a time where we pray and we hear from God and ask him how would he have us respond and then we walk that out in obedience next week. I'm telling you, there are always miracles that are connected to our obedience, Well, I'll talk about today. But today's message is entitled, How to Give a Really Big Offering. I thought that was funny. I enjoyed that. It's going to be good. It's going to be fun. I'm excited. Second, I'm not even going to clean it up. I'm going to just say it and then move on. Here we go. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 5, and it says this. This is why I thought it was necessary to encourage your brothers to go to you, somebody say ahead of time, and arrange in advance this generous, also don't bring just a gift, bring a generous gift. You have already promised I want it to be a real gift from you. I don't want you to feel like you're being forced. Isn't God's word amazing? You know, sometimes you don't even have to preach. You can just read it. It's like, oh, that's good. I needed to hear that. So I don't want you to feel like you're forced to give anything. What do I mean in this? The one who sows a small number of seeds will also reap a small crop. And the one who sows a generous amount of seeds will also reap a generous crop. Everyone should give whatever they have decided in their heart. They shouldn't give with hesitation or because of pressure because God loves a Come on, God loves a cheerful giver. God has the power to provide you with more than enough for every kind of grace. That way you will have everything you need always and in everything to provide more than enough for every kind of good work. As it is written, he's scattered everywhere. He gave to the needy. His righteousness remains forever. The one who supplies, say that word for me. See, the one who supplies for planting and and bread for eating will supply and multiply your seed and will increase your crop, which is righteousness. You will be made. Come on, say it in faith. You will be made. You will be made rich in every way. Rich financially, rich with vision, rich with joy, rich with love, rich with progress. What said you'll have more than enough in every way. So that you can be generous in every way. Such generosity produces thanksgiving to God through us. Father God, we're grateful, we're thankful that you are here with us. And God, anything can happen. We believe you do wonderful things. And God, we're not asking for wonderful things on Monday, on Wednesday, on Friday. God, we're saying right now, this day, in this moment, that you would move in this room, God, that you would heal those that are sick, that you would give wisdom and vision to those that have major decisions that they need to make in their life, God, that you would be close to those that feel alone, that you would heal the brokenhearted right now, in this moment, you would show up and you would show off and that you would do what only you can do. God, will be ever so careful to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. God, we're thankful how you've been blessing the ravens. Keep it going. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Voice it down. High five two people. Tell somebody it's impact season. Come on. Tell somebody, tell somebody, tell somebody. 
Hallelujah. These past three weeks have been completely life-changing and unbelievable, and I'm, I'm just super, super grateful. What's happened at the church has been nuts, y'all. We're at six services. When did that happen? <laughs> My goodness, this At The Movie series has been unbelievable. Have you enjoyed it? Yeah. Was it all the way good? Did you cry? Come on out. Did you cry? Yeah. No. I actually cried when I was actually making it, and then I figured, okay, I need to man up and stop crying. But it was phenomenal. It was amazing. Just so many people have connected to the church. So many people have connected to Christ. So many people have gotten saved. So if you go to Destiny Church, thank you, thank you, thank you for inviting, for switching services, for making room for people to encounter God. If you're new to Destiny Church, welcome home. You are family. We're grateful. We're excited that you're here. Over these last three weeks, I was in Nashville, Arkansas, appreciate a church here in Maryland, then I was in Nigeria uh, the last week, and come on now, they kind of hooked me up. I figured I'd bring a, little, bring a little back with me. It was all the way good, but I'll tell you, it's so important for me even just to get away because there's something about traveling that God is able to download fresh vision and fresh direction and what he's called me to do and what he's called us to do as a church. Today's going to be a little bit of a different kind of flow. I am going to preach, got a nice little preach at the end, but Today's going to be a little bit of a family reunion, a little bit of an update of, hey, here's where we are as a church. Here's what God has laid on my heart as we're moving forward, and particularly with the impact offering, but just as a church in a whole, and where you can figure out what God is doing in your life and also what role he's called you to play here at Destiny Church. Two weeks ago, I was in uh, Bentonville, Arkansas, which is the center of nowhere. Uh, if you're from Arkansas, God bless you. It was beautiful. It was amazing. It was just all farmland. Like we landed at the airport and drove 20 minutes by nothing but cows. I mean, it's literally the welcoming committee is like eat more chicken. There's cows everywhere and there's just cornfields and all this other kind of stuff. And I'm like, boy, we out here in the sticks. This is, this is nice. This is great. And then we break into Bentonville, which is what I call the Beverly Hills of Arkansas. I mean, the, the buildings, the houses, the, the affluence, it is just amazing. And I'm like, how in the world did this end up in the middle of this country town? Well, here's how it ended up there, because Bentonville is the home of Walmart. Walmart's corporate offices is right there in Bentonville, Arkansas. They've been there for over 30 years. And obviously, Walmart is a multi-billion dollar organization. But they also require any vendors that do business with them to have a corporate office in Bentonville, Arkansas. So we begin to explore this city, find out that one of the world's best museums with one of the, some of the most priceless art is in Bentonville, Arkansas, and the University of Arkansas, and all this life and progress. And I'll tell you, even as I was there, God was beginning to speak to me about, look what one family can do in a community that's pretty much forgotten about in the rest of the world. But when they come together and decide to build something great, not something kingdom or something godly, just something great that literally the world takes notice and it transforms the community that it's in. And as I was there, the Holy Spirit just started to download in my heart. That's what I want for Destiny Church, not to be a place that just comes in four walls and we have good church and God encourages us and then we go on about our business, but to be a place that's spills out of these four walls and the economy of this region is affected based on what God is doing in this church. The education system of this region is affected by what God is doing in this church. The families, the marriages, the businesses that literally God transforms the region that we're in based on what he's doing in this church. If you believe it, somebody say amen. amen. One of the things that God has just given me a passion for, and it literally is my vision. If you would want to know, hey, how do you boil down your vision, not just for the church and campuses and all that, but what it is that you feel like God has called you to do, I'll boil it down to this. I'm a builder. 
My grandfather actually was a carpenter. He made cabinets and tables and furniture and all that for a living, and he passed it on to his sons. It's been known to skip a generation or so because I'm pretty dangerous with a hammer and a nail in my hand. My idea of building is go down to Ikea, buy something, and pay somebody else to assemble it. <laughs> but my uncles are like engineers and architects and all this other kind of stuff. And I realized that that is actually what God's called me to do. But he hasn't called me to build buildings or furniture. He's called me to build people and lives. And I'm telling you, God has just gifted me. He's anointed me to help people move from where they are to the next season, to the next level that God has for them in their lives. Maybe you're trying to figure out what your calling is, what your destiny is, what God's called you to do. Here's one clue. What frustrates you the most? Oftentimes, your greatest frustration is a problem that God placed you here on earth to be a solution for. Some of you are frustrated by, by, by the lack of education in some areas or the lack of affluence or broken homes or mental health or whatever it may be. Hear me, hear me, hear me. You, you, and and we, we all have this thing. You, you walk into any place, you're like, man, I wish they paid more attention to. Can you think of what that thing is? Chances are that's your destiny. That's your calling. That's what God has gifted you to be a solution to. Well, here's my greatest frustration. My greatest frustration next to helping people meet Jesus is that there are so many people who are Christians that they love God, but you just can't tell by any other area of their life. They go to church and you worship and man, that was a good word and man, I'm grateful for God and I truly am passionate about God. You just can't tell looking at my marriage that I know God. Not that we're yelling and cussing and screaming and fighting and all that kind of stuff. It's just we're stuck and it's not moving forward. You can't tell based on looking at my finances that the grace and favor and mercy of God is on my life. Like if you see me in church, my hands are lifted, I'm worshiping, I'm thanking God. But if you look at my bank account or my credit score or the amount of debt that I have, it's my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? The two are just not connecting or maybe it's my business or my career or my aspirations. Here's what God wants for you. And honestly, here's what I want from you. The Bible says that your life should go from glory to glory to glory to glory. Now, now, we all just got through Thanksgiving. You survived it. Look at somebody say, you survived. You survived. You're around family for 12 hours, 48 hours, 72 hours, and you made it out. You're good. Shh, because I know some of y'all brought them with you to church. So they're almost going to leave. After church, you'll drive back or wherever. It'll be good. That's not nice, but whatever it may be. You, you ever been around family, though, or friends or different people that you don't talk to on a normal basis? Maybe you had friends that you were really close because you worked together, or went to school together, or whatever it may be, and then life just kind of separated you. And you circle back maybe a year later, two years later, three years later, and you find them in the exact same position as you left them in career the same, relationships the same, complaints the same, drama the same. Anybody had any conversations this Thanksgiving with family members and they started complaining about certain things, certain people, certain problems, and you had this thought like, didn't we have this conversation last year? I could have sworn we talked about this. Or hear me, hear me, it breaks my heart when people get stuck. And I find the greatest reasons people get stuck is not because they don't love God and it's not because they're not passionate about progress. It's just because they don't know what do I do? How do I take the next step? You have to understand the God that we serve is a God of process. He's not a God of instantaneous. He's a God of process. He could have said, let there be a world. Couldn't he? He's creator God. He, he could have said, let there be a world. And some of us wish he had, because everything else in our lives would have been just let there be finished product. <laughs> but that's not what he said. He said, let there be light. Then he separated the light and made it day and night. Let there be water. Let there be birds. He went through a process. And here's what you need to understand about scripture. It's an example of how God operates and how we can apply it to our lives. If he created the world with the process, he'll build your marriage with the process. Come on. Can we talk for a second? But we don't know the process of marriage. We just know I love you. You love me. Let's get together. <laughs> 90s babies. We, our process is we're in love. Oh, I love you. 
It's my soulmate. And you've been married for 15 minutes. You figured out love ain't enough. <laughs> love is great. We need a little bit more than love. There's a process of honor and selflessness and laying your life down and having a mission so that you guys can be co-missioned together. There's a, proce there's a process to finances. God says, who builds a house without thinking, first counting the cost? Lest he starts it and can't finish it and that everybody laughs at him because of a project that couldn't be done. And one of the things that breaks my heart is that people just don't know the kingdom process to the practical things in life like marriage or raising kids or financing or walking out the destiny that God has for you or whatever it may be. And it is my passion to the day I die to create a church that tells people, hey, here's your next step. God has a great plan and a purpose and a destiny for your life. 50 years from now is gonna be better than today. But forget 50 years for right now and you just take the next step. Here's the next step in your faith, the next step in your relationships, the next step in your finances. That's what God has called us to do. So this is your loving pastor with the little crazy twitch in his eye that says, I'm so glad you're here. And here's my guarantee to you. I'm not going to cross any boundaries. I'm not going to force myself into your life. But ever so gently, sometimes a little bit ignorantly and rudely, I'm going to say, hey, it's time to take a new step. There's something more that God has for you. We got to build this thing. We got to build this thing. We have to build this thing. And here's what God laid on my heart, that as we build people's lives, one becomes 50, becomes 600, becomes 2,000, becomes 3,000. Oh, God, six services. Pray for me. And pretty soon it begins to spill out of the walls of this church. And a region starts to get built. A community starts to get built. And God, I believe that God is going to transform this DMV region that we are in because of what he's doing in your life, in this room, just like he's doing through Walmart or wherever else it may be. Somebody say, yeah. amen. And then the, the last week we were in Lagos, Nigeria. And I'm telling y'all, they messed me up, man. I landed in Lagos. You would have thought Obama showed up, y'all. It was wild. We land in the airport and we come out of the plane and we walk maybe about 100 yards. And next thing we know, a soldier walks up to us. He says, is your name Zai? And I said, who wants to know? We're like, do we lie? Like, we gonna get, you know, what's going to happen? And, and then all of a sudden he had our picture on our phone. He said, yeah, I'm here to collect you. I'm like, oh gosh, there we go. <laughs> what does that mean? But they took our passports, got us visas and all that other good stuff. And then we walk literally right out there. We didn't stand in line, y'all. I mean, everybody's like, who are those people? I'm like, I'm sorry, favor ain't fair. <laughs> <laughs> we walk outside. They have three black SUVs that they put us in and then a cop car with troops in it. And they whisk off motorcade. I said, boy. I can get used to this. I roll down the window and start saying, <laughs> people look at me like, <laughs> we get to the hotel, beautiful hotel, and they hosted us. We get to the hotel, we get a rest or whatever it may be. Probably about an hour after being in the hotel, there's a knock at the door. I go open the door and said, hey, yes, I'm your tailor. I've come to take your measurements. I said, oh. <laughs> Yo, that was about 11 a.m. that morning. We preached the service that night. By the time we got back to the room, custom blazers, this outfit. I mean, yo, Nigerians know how to do it, man. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. I woke up this morning waiting for my motorcade to drive me to church. There was nobody there. Just my dog looking at me like, fool, get out of here. But I'm telling you, it was so amazing to see what God was doing in that nation, particularly through the church impacting that region. I was at a church called the, This Present House, TPH. And it's a church of thousands of people, eight different locations all over Lagos, impacting people for the glory of God, challenging them not to settle where they are, but to become God's best version for their life. And it really convicted me because I find sometimes, even in church, because we want people to like us, and I'm talking about as pastors, and we don't want to offend people, sometimes we're not as bold as we need to be to say that God has better for you. 
that I'm, God loves you where you are. God died for you where you are, but he doesn't want to leave you where you are. There is so much more that he has for your business, for your marriage, for your finances, for your kids, and for your ministry, the impact that God has called you to have here on earth. One of the areas about that church that just blew my mind the most is they have an entire campus called God Bless Nigeria. And this is a church particularly targeted towards people that are incarcerated. They go into the prisons, people that were just released from prisons, people that are struggling with drug addiction, people that are in sex trafficking and all this other kind of stuff. And it's a church literally that just ministers to thousands of those people that are in a desperate state. They were walking me through the experience that they have. And so we have a four-hour service for these individuals. I said, whoo. That's like 12 services at Destiny Church. That's a, that's a whole lot of church right there. He said, well, here's why it's so long. Because when they get there, before we have church, we give them a shower. And get them some new clothes and some food and haircuts and take care of them. And we have about two hours where we're just serving them before we even bring them into church. Then after that, we bring them into church and there's worship. And he said, it, it, he said, this church you're at is great. But he said, you haven't seen dancing until you go to that church and see the way that they're worshiping. People who have nothing that are at the most desperate state of life, praising God with a joy, honestly, that sometimes we wish we had. And then the pastor said, I noticed something that as the service would go on after about an hour, people would literally just stand up and walk out of the service. I'm like, well, maybe because it's four hours long. I'm just saying. <laughs> they said, no, no, no. They would just stand up and they'd walk out. And, and, I, and, I, and, and we actually sent people to stop them and say, hey, why are you leaving? What's going on? And they said, well, and it was particularly those that are in, in the, the sex trafficking industry. And they said, well, this is when we begin work. And the prostitutes, we, we have to go out and work. So here's what the church said. They said, how much would you make out on the street selling your body for the hour that you're skipping church? And they said, well, here's what we would make. And they said, cool, we'll pay you that to stay in church. So this church literally pays people to sit in church so that they don't have to go out there and sell their body and they are transforming a nation. And I was so grateful because of your generosity, we were able to sell $30,000 into that ministry, allowing God to continue. Can you give yourselves a hand? Can you celebrate what God is able to do? not just through you, but more so what he is doing across this nation. I'm telling you, the church of Jesus Christ is alive. He is doing great things, not just here, but he's doing some awesome things here. Amen? Amen. So here's what I want to do for the next three hours that we have together. I came back all the way Nigerian. <laughs> no, I really want to challenge you next week to give the largest offering you possibly can give. Not just to kind of give, but to give the largest offering you possibly can give. And, and I'm excited saying about, you'll find out about my personality. I'm an eight on the Enneagram. I'm a challenger. And I just love to broach like awkward topics. I love to talk about things that people may or may not feel comfortable talking about. And money's just one of those things that you just mention it and people are just like, oh, this this Sunday you're going to invite me to church, huh? You told, me, you told me your church was cool. Your pastor was young. Oh my gosh, what is going on? All right. I love, but, but, but here's why I'm excited about this. One, because the area of giving and generosity has so transformed who I am as a person. God has grown my faith. He's grown my trust in him. I've literally seen supernatural miracles as a result of my generosity. And I want that so badly for every single person in this room. Now, I understand that not everybody's excited about giving, and that's perfectly okay. Some of you, like, Pastor, I've been at this church for like 24 hours. Like, what is going on or whatever? And that's cool. You are in process and you're growing in Christ. But I'm telling you, God has so much for you in this area. Now, I know some people, you're just not excited about generosity and giving because like, Pastor, I, I, I am a project. <laughs> I don't want to give to her. I am a project. Finances right now is just a struggle. Like, I need generosity. I'm just, it's just difficult to make ends meet. And if you're in that situation, listen, listen, listen. First of all, as a church, we are here to help you. We have connect groups called Financial Peace University that are just designed to give you biblical wisdom, how to dig 
take out of whatever pit you're in and get to a place where you have more than enough. But let me give you the abridged version. You'll always be where you currently are until you make a decision to do it God's way. It's, it's just that simple. And here, th this is just me being ornery, but I, I, I flew like 15, 16 hours and I'm like jet lag right now. I feel like it's 6 p.m. at night. So I'm just going to tell it, give it to you straight. We, we got to put this financial thing to rest. We, we, as Destiny Church, have to get our personal finances to a place where it's no longer a source of stress in our lives. We have to make a decision that I'm going to talk about something new next Thanksgiving. Like when I'm talking to my in-laws, it's, 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 it's not going to be when I'm stressed. Come on now. New, new, new giants, <laughs> new hills to take, new miracles. I want to see God do something great in my life, but it's not going to be in my finances every single year because I'm going to put that to rest. He said he's able, and I want to see him do it in my life. And here's how you move forward. The first step is this, that you trust God with the first. You can't have God's help when you decide to exclude him from this area of your life. But it's not just tithe, it's not just give to God, but the next step is to be a good steward of what he's given you of the 90%. Live on a budget, live on less than you make, figure out how I can make more, how can I invest, how can I grow what he's given me. And then the last aspect of it is to be generous. And, and I'll say it this way, and I didn't even say it the last service, but if you can figure out how to make your financial success God's responsibility, you're going to see your life moving away like never before. Can, here, here's what I mean by that. That God, if you bless me, the kingdom of God is going to advance. Like God, me making more money means that more people are going to meet Jesus. Because every time I make more money, God, I give more. And every time I give more, more seats are created, more buildings are purchased, more campuses are launched. There's more opportunities for people to connect. God, let's just say it this simply. If God were to give you $10 million, how would it affect the kingdom of God? How would it affect, let me say it in business terms, his bottom line? What he cares about, which is souls. And I've discovered if I could make my progress impact the kingdom of God, he will make my progress his business. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Give me a better amen to that. <laughs> so some people are just like, hey, I need help in this area. Some people, you're just like, you know, this is cool, but I'm, I'm just not in the church. I'm just not that into what is going on here. Like, I, I, I like how come, it's great, you know, great message, encouraging, all that other good stuff. But church is just a part of my life. Church is not a major focus. Last service, I said, if that's you, that's okay. You're in progress. And then I was like, actually, I lied. That's not okay. Um, but as a pastor, I'm supposed to say that because like politically correct or whatever it may be. But uh, here's the thing. The church is the hope of the world. Like the church is the hope of the world. Like God sees the breakdown of mental health in America. And his solution for that is not in more medicine. It's not in more regulation. And there's nothing wrong with medicine. There's not, nothing wrong with regulation. But his solution is in this house. God sees that the divorce rate in America is over 50%. And can I tell you something? His solution for that is not wait till you get married older and older and older. Or make sure you sign a prenup or whatever it may be. No, his solution is the house of God where people can learn the process and the steps to building a godly marriage. Listen to me, the church is the hope of the world. And it is time for us to get out of this selfish church mindset of, hey, what can it do for me and my life? And as long as I'm good and I'm full of joy, then I'm good to go. God says, no, no, it was never about you. It was always through you. I desire to do something in you so that I can use you as an example to your in-laws and your friends and your family so that a city can be transformed for the glory of God. This is so much, don't look at somebody and tell them, this is bigger than you. Here's the last reason why I really, 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 really want you to give a really, really big offering besides the fact that it's gonna help the church move forward. It's because I really want you to see supernatural miracles from God in your life. And hear me upset and I got to slow down. I'm going to say it real quiet or so you catch this. Money doesn't buy miracles. God is not a genie. You cannot rub him the right way and get three wishes. 
It don't work that way. He said, I, he said, everything you have, I gave you. I don't need your money. I need your heart. For some reason, there's this stupid little cord that runs from our heart to our wallet. And that cord is indestructible. You can't cut it. You can't chop it. You can't move it. It is connected for life. The Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Here's what unlocks miracles in our lives. Obedience. That's why we've given you 10 weeks, not to do your budget, but to pray. And ask God, what would you have me do? And I'm telling you, as you obey, because here's what, when God tells you to do something, it's a test. And think about school. What happens when you pass the final exam? You get promoted to the next grade level or you graduate to a new level of influence. Every time God speaks to you, it's a test. And on the other side of a test is always a promotion. And God, if he asks you to do anything, it's because he has something new for you, but he's testing your heart to see if you can manage where he wants to take you or where he takes you will become something that dominates your identity. So he gives you this test and guess what? When you pass the test, you get promoted. Guess what happens if you don't pass the test? And by the way, next week, some people, you're going to fail this test. I already know it happens every year, and I'm not mad at you. <laughs> but every, every year, God speaks to some people, and some people obey, and some people say, no, that was the pizza. I'm not listening. It's amazing how we blame God. <laughs> but here's what happens when you don't pass that test. You just stay right where you are. Listen to me. God's not mad at you. <laughs> You, you, we don't add to God. We don't take away. God's not disgusted with you. God doesn't d- dispose of you or anything like that. He said, okay, you, you failed that test. I'll be back six months, 12 months. Because I, I, he wants you to move forward and he refuses to move you forward until you're ready. But the second you're ready, he's ready to promote you. And I'm telling you, when you pass this test, you're going to see God open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing in your life like never before. Give you some context and then I'll give you these four points that will land this plane. Where we are as a church right now, as you can figure out at six services, we are maxed out in this building. What God is doing is phenomenal and we're grateful, but we're also figuring out, okay, what's next? Because I'm not, I'm not preaching much more than this. Because This is crazy. Y'all try and kill me. That's what's going on in here. We're launching our Baltimore location coming up February 9th, which is going to be phenomenal. By the way, if you're saying, man, we have over 300 people that have signed up for that Baltimore location. He said, man, count me in. I want to be a part of Baltimore location next Saturday. This coming Saturday at 1 p.m., we're having the launch team gathering in this building. Show up. Bring everybody you know. You'll be able to figure out where I can serve. How can I be a part? How can I make that a huge success? So that's coming up. And I can't leak anymore, but we're launching a few more campuses next year. So you'll hear that coming and all that other good stuff. The team is actually Actually currently looking for property to purchase so that we can build a facility that can facilitate all that God is doing. They've actually narrowed down two different locations that we're going to have surveyors and engineers kind of walk through. So as soon as we have something to announce there, you'll hear about it. But all of that will cost us probably about $6 million to be able to launch locations and build a structure and all that other good stuff. And so I was kind of just thinking through and praying through it. I was actually sitting at a church conference about eight weeks ago, and God reminded me how we got into this building. Two years ago, or three years ago, actually, we were at Appleton High School, probably about 600 people in the church, and I stood up kind of like this, and hey, guys, we need, Impact Offering was coming, we need about a million dollars to be able to move into a permanent building, and no pressure. We weren't at a stage in our church where we could give a million dollars in one day. I was really just telling people, hey, you're going to be in this high school for two more years, so settle down and stop pressuring me and all that. It was literally kind of just giving them vision and context for where we are as a church. Hey, it's a million dollars to purchase something or renovate something or lease or whatever it may be. And impact offering came and that impact offering, we gave over $250,000. 600 people gave over $250,000. It was the largest offering that we had ever received as a church. It was phenomenal. It wasn't the million that we needed. We just weren't expecting the million because we weren't there at that time. 
Well, four weeks later, a church calls us up and says, hey, we have a building. We've invested $800,000 worth of renovations into that building. We want to walk away from that, and we're just looking for a church to step in and to take it over for us. In four weeks, we had $1.05 million to be able to move into this auditorium. Come on now. It was a miracle. So eight weeks ago, I'm sitting in the service and I'm listening to this pastor preach and I'm thinking about this and God says, well, back then when you needed a million and you only could raise 250, I gave you the 800 because that's all you could do. He said, I'm not giving you this 6 million. <laughs> I said, say what now? He said, I'm not going to give it to you. I said, wait, why not? <laughs> but we really need it. He said, I will only do for you what you can't do for yourself, but I will not do for you what you can do for yourself. And here's what's blown my mind. God, hear me, hear me, hear me. God doesn't need our money. He proved that by putting $800,000 out of nowhere, but he wants us to give so that we can have skin in the game. Because he said, it's not unless you're investing that you can receive a harvest from what I am doing. And I don't want to do what I'm doing void of you. I want to include you in it. Now, because of the growth of this church and your outrageous generosity, we've already saved a million dollars just in 2019 because of your generosity. We've operated this entire year on about 80% of what you've given and the rest we've just stacked away, stacked away, stacked away. So we already have a healthy good start. Somebody say praise God for that, which we are grateful. Now for you, some of y'all in this room like five million pastors, is that what you tripping over? Here we go. What else? If that's you, see me after church. I would love to connect with you. God bless you. <laughs> some of y'all like five million. <laughs> Well, watch this. Because of the size of Destiny Church, here's what $5 million looks like. It looks like every single adult giving $2,000. Like, that's how big we are as a church right now. It's blowing my mind where something like $5 million isn't even a stress point anymore. It's like, oh my gosh, look what God has done. But it's like, man, $2,000 from every single adult in this church, and it's done in one Sunday. Now, once again, some of you in this room are like, $2,000, Pastor, I could do 10 times that. I could do 100 times that. And my word to you is, well, do it, and I'll see you. <laughs> some of y'all is like, $2,000, are you crazy? I can't get $200. You lost your mind. <laughs> By the way, $2,000 is $167 a month. So you may say, I can't do it in one time, but hey, I could do $40 a week or $167. Here's the point. You do what you can do. And if everybody in this church does what they are able to do, not only will that happen, but by the way, when we hit the six, when we get the building, we launch the other campuses, guess what? We're going to pack those out. And then there's going to be another campus and another campus and another campus. So this is not just a one-time, hey, we're going to fix this problem and then move on to the next. No, I want me and my family to be in part of what God is building in this house. I want to play a role. God, whatever you're doing, don't you dare do it without me. Somebody say amen in this place. So I want to give you just four quick thoughts. Four quick thoughts. I went to Nigeria and my messages got longer. So it's not three points anymore. It's four. <laughs> <laughs> of, hey, how do I, how do I, how do I give a really big offering? The first thing is this, give faithfully. Give faithfully. Here's what an offering is. The definition of an offering is two things. Step one, it's over and above your tithe. Your tithe is a requirement from God. It was before Abraham. It was after Jesus. God says, honor me with the first 10%, not just 10%, but the first 10% of your increase, of your income. And here's what a tithe does. It sets your heart in the right place. And it helps you to understand that you're not your provider that you're not on your own. Some of us grew up where finances were an issue. There was major lack and it's created this unknown paranoia in our heart of not having enough and, and having it scraped together. And without even realizing that, we've become our own God. And our faith is in our ability to produce for ourselves. Some of us have even said it out of our mouths. You can't trust anybody else. You can't trust a spouse. You can't trust an employer. You got to take care of yourself. That's an orphan mindset. 
And God says, you're not an orphan any longer. You are a child of a king, a good king who desires to take care of you. So an offering is over and above the tithe, but it's also this. It's out of the goodness of your heart. An offering's not 10%, it's not 1%, it's not 25%, it's whatever percent you feel like God is speaking to you to give. But here's the deal, for it to be over and above, you first have to hit basic. So you actually can't give an offering unless you're a tither. Because the only way you can go over and above is if you're meeting the basic standard. The Bible says this in Malachi chapter 3 verse 9, you are being cursed with a curse. I feel like that's like a double curse. It's like, what are you going to curse me with? Like a snowball? Like, you just curse with a curse. And you, dang, y'all roll up tight today, y'all all right? This must be the non-tithing service. That's what this is. <laughs> and you, the entire nation, here's what God says. He said, you're robbing me. And here's why. Because we don't give tithes. You know, people say, I'm paying my tithes. You can't pay your tithes because it was never yours. It was, there's only one thing you can do with the tithe, and that's return it to God because it belongs to him. And when we keep something that doesn't belong to us, it's stealing. I'm not, I'm not no thief. Well, if someone loaned you your car, loaned you their car, and you never gave it back. I mean, I ain't breaking their house and take it. Yeah, but you didn't give it back. Makes you a thief. God says, I gave you something, you didn't give it back. You're robbing me. He says this, bring the whole tenth part to the storage house. Watch this. So that there might be food in my house. God says, here's what happens. When you tithe, there's food in the house. You can take the verse down. I'm going to come back. Do you know what food in the house of God is? It's the bread of life. God says, God's word is food. You ever heard super churchy folks, you know, when they leave a church? I left because I wasn't being spiritually fed there. I love that. I always have a comeback for that. You know, they, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a baby church. You know, they, uh, they're only serving milk. I, I need meat. I'm fine. I'm cool with that. I just need you to know. Only babies require other people to feed them. Grown folks go in the fridge and they cook their own meals. So I'm just saying, that's my little, you know, pastor come back at that one. <laughs> but anyway, God's word is, is food. Like literally, when we come to church, we're nourished through the word of God. If you're here today and you're lacking joy, God's going to fill you up with all the joy that you need. If you came in today and you have a business or, 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 or whatever, a decision that you need to make on your job and you're feeling foggy and you're not really sure what the next step is, God is going to give you clarity. God is going to give you wisdom. Whatever you need when you come to church, God fills you up with that. But here's what he said. He said, when you don't tithe, there won't be food. Now, it doesn't mean if you don't tithe, the pastor ain't going to preach, even though that ain't a bad idea. <laughs> That's wrong. <laughs> he said, no, no, no. He said, when you don't tithe, you're not going to be able to receive anything from church. Watch this. Because it's really funny, a relationship that you have with people you owe money to. You get paranoid. You ever borrowed money from someone and it completely changed the relationship? Come on, don't look at me like that. You were at Thanksgiving dinner two days ago with people you owe money to. And you just look at them different. I've made that mistake before. I mean, even, even you're paying them back, but because you know you owe them, it's like, hey. <laughs> you look at the other way. You're having a conversation with them, but there's this thought in your mind. I know I'm not saying it and they're not saying it, but are they thinking that I owe them and I'm going to pay them? Come on now. Yeah. I'm going to get really ignorant now. Has anybody ever borrowed money from you? And then you saw them go on vacation? <laughs> Come on now. Or buy some, they're out there Black Friday shopping. And you're like, oh, you can catch a deal, but you can't catch my payment back, huh? Is that what it is? <laughs> Just look straight ahead. God said it was a gift. Forget about it. But here's the thing. When you owe somebody money, there's this paranoia that's always in the relationship. Watch this. If your marriage is on the rocks and you need marriage counseling, you're not going to go to a marriage counselor that you owe money to. You know what I mean? Because you're going to be sitting there like, she did this and she said that. Well, he did this. But the whole time you're going to think, are they helping us or are they thinking that we owe them? There's this parano There's a paranoia in your relationship with God when you don't return to him what belongs to him. 
And it's not that he doesn't love you. God, you can't buy his love. He doesn't need your money. Here's what breaks his heart. You don't trust me. Like, you really think I would take 10% from you and just leave you destitute? Who do you think I am? You would trust me with your soul? You would trust me to get you into heaven, but you won't trust me with 400 bucks? Man. And God is saying, no, 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 no. It starts with saying, God, I trust you. God says, great. Prove it. <laughs> oh, I didn't know we were going to get there already. He said, no, 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 trust me. He says this. He said, in the storehouse, so that there might be food in my house. He said, look at this. He's begging. He said, please test me in this, says the Lord of heavenly forces. This is God flexing. He said, trust me, I'm the God of angel armies. That is a longing to back every step that you take. So whether I see, whether I do not open all the windows of heaven for you and empty out blessings until there is more than enough. God says, no, no, no. The first step is to trust me in this area so that you can benefit and receive from all that I have for you. So step one is give faithfully. The step two is this, give soberly. This is a big one. Because every, every person is wired this way. I'll say it mean and then I'll say it nice. People are wired two ways. They're either stingy or they're frivolous. <laughs> Which one are you? Which one's your spouse? <laughs> Isn't it amazing how stingy people just marry frivolous people? Like, it's very rare you'll find two stingy people married. And it's very rare while you find two frivolous Am I right? Come on. If you're not married or you don't, just look straight ahead. Pastor, that's not me. That's him. That's him. Like in every relationship, and even if you're, you're not married or whatever it may be, you're either stingy or you're frivolous. Now, can I give you the biblical way of it? The biblical redeemed way of it is some people are great stewards and some people are generous. I'm not stingy. I'm a good steward. You're, 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 when you're redeemed, you're a good steward. <laughs> it just means you're not wasteful. You, you pay attention and you manage what God is. Hey, listen to me. That's good and that's godly. Now, some of y'all, when you're ungodly, you're frivolous. You just waste unnecessarily. But when you're godly, you're generous. You're free to give, but you're intentional on where you give. And God is saying, listen, that for, for, for you, you stingy people, trust me, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to steal from you. I'm going to bless you more than you ever imagined. But for you generous people, God is saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't give emotionally. Don't give frivolously because that's not God. And he won't respond to that. It says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, everyone should give whatever they have decided in their heart. Watch this. They shouldn't give with hesitation, stingy folks, or because of pressure. God loves a cheerful giver. God will tell you what to give. But sometimes as you go through the process, and this is why we've given you 10 weeks to pray through this, you'll think God told you one thing, but it wasn't God. It was just your emotions. And you were just, oh man, I'm excited. I'm gonna go, we're gonna do this. Oh, I'm gonna make it rain. I'm gonna sow the seed. I'm gonna get my harvest. And God's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't give that. Watch this. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 says this The one who supplies, say that word with me, for the planting and for eating. There's two things God gives you He gives you seed and He gives you bread. The seed is for, and that's what multiplies, but the bread is for, you give the, and you eat the, make sense? Some people get emotional and they give their bread. I'm about to sow this seed. What is that? That's my rent money, but God told me to. Whoa! <laughs> Hold up. Wait a minute. <laughs> God told me not to pay my mortgage this month. He told me that I need to invest it in the kingdom. Hold up. <laughs> that ain't God. <laughs> You, you need to eat, you need a roof over your head. And can we just get, can I get real ignorant? If you're in debt, that money actually is not yours. It belongs to who you borrowed it from and you're not free to give it to God. You need to, 
You ever been to a church where the pastor told you not to give? Welcome to Destiny Church. God says, no, no, you need to think through this. And is this bread or is this seed? Bread is things that God's given me to take care of my needs, to take care of my home, to eat, to take care of my kids, to meet my needs. Seed is over and above. Seed is things that I don't need to survive off of. Seed are things that God's given me to sow into other things. Now, listen, let's talk a little bit. The, the, the Bentley payment, that ain't bread. That's voluntary breadish seed. <laughs> Sometimes we live lifestyles that are above our capabilities. And because of that, we have no margin in our finances. And we're like, man, I can't sow any seed. And sometimes God's like, well, it's going to require you to downsize just a little bit. Word to your mama, the iPhone 11, it's the same thing as the 10. <laughs> it got a better camera. You use filters anyway. <laughs> I'm having fun today. Sometimes you got to downgrade lifestyle a little bit so that there's margin. But here's what God is saying is don't give away what I've called you, I've given you to meet your own needs. Because then you'll find yourself destitute or I can't meet this bill or whatever. Maybe you're like, God, why have you forsaken me? God says, I didn't tell you to give that. Give soberly. Third thing is this. This is my favorite one. Give sacrificially. Can I say it this way? If it didn't hurt, it's not an offering. Ooh, I felt good. I like that. I like some of those singers. <laughs> it says this, Luke chapter 21, verse 1. Looking up, Jesus saw rich people throwing their gifts into the collection box for the temple treasure. He also saw a poor widow throw in two small copper coins worth a penny. Let me pause for a second. You leave that verse up. God was watching offering time. Let that mess with you. Like when the basket passes, Jesus is watching. I don't know about you, but that freaks me out. I'm like, what are you looking at? <laughs> he saw two small copper coins worth a penny. He said, I assure you that this poor widow has put in more than them all. Now listen, the wealthy people were probably given millions. The Bible says this widow gave a penny. And God says that penny is more than the millions. Here's what that tells me. First and foremost, you can leave the verse up. First and foremost, God doesn't care about the amount. He gives, cares about your heart. Now, humans, we treat people who have the capability of giving millions different than we treat people who have the capability of giving a penny. But God says, I'm not treating you differently because I don't need your money. I actually gave it to you. What I'm looking at is your heart. He said, here's why she gave more. All of them gave out of their spare change. I'd love millions of dollars to be spare change. Can we just pop for a moment? God bless me indeed. I want millions to be spare change. He says, but she from her hope, not just poverty, hopeless poverty, has given everything she had to live on. Two quick things that comes to mind. One, he let her give it. Think about that. If we saw somebody giving their last in an offering, we most likely would run to them and say, hey, no, 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 you need this, you keep this. We'll, we'll, we'll build the kingdom without you, you're okay. God let her give it, and here's why. Because he knew it was her seed. And if she didn't give it, she would be in the position she was in forever. But because she invested in the kingdom of God, she set herself up to receive a harvest greater than what she had sown. God says, no, 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 no. I'm not just looking for you to give. I'm looking for you to give sacrificially. Here's what should happen. After impact offering, there should be something that you wanted to do that you now have to delay because of the size of the offering that you gave. Ooh. We were going on vacation. We were about to go to Cancun. What? Oh, we were going to do it in January. <laughs> But based on what God told us to do, June ain't bad. I mean, I just push, you know, I was about to renovate the kitchen, new countertops. Oh. I'm going to put Pinterest on hold for a moment. We were going to do it. There should be a delay in some, you got to feel it. Can I say why? Because if you don't feel it, it's not faith. Well, that's good. That is good. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, if I don't feel it, then 
I don't have to trust God. There's no, I didn't need it. Like, if I didn't give it to God, I was going to blow it somewhere else anyway. It wasn't part of the future of my life. It was, it was no big deal. It's not, it's not faith, and if it's not faith, there's literally going to be no miracle attached to it. If you remember that offer that we were talking about when we were moving into this building and we needed to raise a million dollars and brought 250 or whatever it may be, we're, me and my wife were praying. It was impact season. We're praying, God, what would you have us give? And, and, and God gave me a number, and it was a very generous number. I have to say that just so y'all know I'm not stingy. During that same season of our life, my wife and I, we were, we were planning on purchasing a house, and we had been saving for the last two years for a down payment on our house. So we're praying about what to give while we're saving for this down payment. I came up with a number. Once again, it was a very generous number. And uh, my wife comes to me and she says, your number is not generous. And I said, okay. Um, no, she said, I feel like God's called us to give the down payment we were saving for a house an impact offering. I said, oh, okay, cool. How much? <laughs> she said, all. I said, say what? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to lie, and I try to be very transparent so you guys can understand that I'm human. My first response was, like, oh, God, no. <laughs> but it was only for a second. And then I thought, oh, God always multiplies what we give. So there's no way we can invest in the kingdom of God and not see an outrageous blessing in our life. God, I'm excited to do this. So we gave our entire down payment we were saving for a house in that impact offering. Watch this. Two years goes by, nothing happens, no harvest. And I was talking to my wife and I said, babe, you know that offering that we gave, you know, the one that hurt? That one, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just haven't seen a harvest, like the multiplication that I told people that God will do, I haven't seen him do it in our lives. And my wife, she's so much more spiritual than me. She said, babe, what are you talking about? Like, look what God has done in the church. It's grown by thousands of people. The church explodes. There's a great harvest based on that seed. I said, no, no, the church's growth. <laughs> that ain't got nothing to do with me. That's, that's Destiny Church. I'm so glad for what God's doing. My name ain't Destiny Church. My name is Stephen Chandler. And I'm looking for, <laughs> no offense, but this, this ain't me. I'm like, God. <laughs> Pray for me. I'm crazy and I'm jet lagged. <laughs> Two years go by and there's literally, there's, there's nothing. I'm just like, God, what are we doing? So we save up our down payment. We save up the entire down payment. None of it was a miracle. Like we work for every single penny. <laughs> I sound like I'm griping, right? Long story short, we moved into a house this year. The house that we moved into was so far out of our price range, it wasn't even a possibility. And it just blew my mind. The thing is, the house was on the market for two years. The house went on the market, and I just thought about this, babe, right around when we sold that seat. And because it was on the market for two years, the price just dropped and dropped and dropped and dropped and dropped right into our price range. Watch this. The amount that it dropped was exactly 10 times the seed that we had sown in that offering two years prior. I am telling you, God's word said he will be a debtor to no man. I'll be honest with you, as a pastor, I know I live in America. There's a lot of pastors that have jacked up this financial thing. So it's uncomfortable for me sometimes to talk about what God is doing in our personal lives. You know, people are just ignorant. They're like, well, I don't think the pastor should shut up. You didn't sow that seed, so you don't really. <laughs> but I am telling you, not from the Bible, but from my experience, that when you trust God, He's going to move in your life beyond anything you can ask, think, or... Here's how we have to think. We're children. He's our father. If a parent asks their child for something, it's only because the parent has something better. What wicked parent would take from their kid and then leave them without? There's no parent on earth that would do that. Somebody said, well, my parent, well, God will heal that. <laughs> But I'm telling you, if God is asking you to do something, it's because he's trying to set you up for a miracle. Last thing is this, Sean, come play Roland is playing. Give expectantly. Give expectantly. Give expectantly. Can I say it this way? Name your offering. 
and hear me, hear me, hear me. Hope I've said it 12 times. You haven't heard it again. Let me say it again. You can't buy a miracle from God. He doesn't need your money. He needs your obedience. But you need to figure out by faith, what miracle am I believing God for? I don't, I don't need money, Pastor. I'm, I'm good. I'm set. That's good, but God doesn't just do financial miracles. God does miracles in your health, in your marriage, in your relationship from that parent that did take from you and didn't give back. <laughs> Where is it that you need God to move supernaturally in your life? And as you give, give in faith that you're going to see a miracle in that area. In Matthew 14, 19, it says this, then the disciples gave them to the crowd, the bread and the fish he gave to the 5,000. Everyone ate until they were full and they filled 12 baskets with leftovers. I think God has a sense of humor. There was 12 disciples, so he made sure there were 12 doggy bags to take back when he fed the 5,000 from the five loaves and the two fish. He was just trying to make a point that we serve a God of abundance. We live in a world of limits and lack, but we don't serve a God that has any limit or any lack. And he said, listen to me, I'm not just gonna build my kingdom and forget about you. I'm gonna make sure that there are leftovers healings and leftover vision and leftover breakthrough and leftover finances and whatever you may need, I'm going to make sure that it's overflowing in your life. So some of you, you're, you, you're, you're business minded and you're like, pastor, growth is here. You know, we need to give six million. Okay, got this, got this. This is what I have. Okay, so this is what I'm going to do. And you're real cerebral and that's great. But throw some faith in on that thing and say, God, I am believing not only that you're going to advance this church, but I'm believing that you're going to move supernaturally in my life in this area and hear it from your pastor. If you go two years without a harvest, complain, but don't lose faith because God is not a debtor to any man he will respond if you believe it somebody shout amen. amen let's pray father god we're grateful we're thankful thanks again for tuning into this week's message if you want to learn more about our church check us out at www.yourdestiny.church meet our leadership team find a way to connect with our church and partner with us through giving you can also connect with us on social media by visiting our facebook twitter and instagram pages Tune in next week for another message from our pastor, Stephen Chandler.